Hey y'all, it's time to take a brew break. I'm Keela from Keela D Sub Creation, sharing my favorite stories 11 points at a time. You can look forward to English major insights, fangirl freakouts, and biblical tidbits as I dive deep into fiction and nonfiction stories in any form. Now grab a brew and join me for 11Zs. Hello, my friends. It is I back with 11Zs by myself with very pared down notes. So you never know what you're going to get today. I think I mentioned in my last solo episode a hint to what this episode would be. I've kind of been going down the nostalgia train and re-experiencing some things that I enjoyed in my childhood and tween years and um, I already discussed some movies that I really loved in middle school and today we are going to talk about TV shows that I really enjoyed in elementary and middle school. I have been spending the past few months re-watching these shows and I've got notes, I've got hot takes, I've got all the deets to let you know if I think these hold up or not. So prepare yourselves, it's bound to be a fun time and yeah, can't wait to jump into it. But first we gotta talk about my 11 Z's drink. You know that I'm making very special drinks now that have to do with what we're talking about. So to give you a hint of a couple shows that we might be diving into, I attempted to make a kelp shake, and it's delicious, by the way. It tastes really good. The only issue is it's not green. <laughs> so, doesn't quite look like a kelp shake. It's more the color of guava juice. So, we're just combining a couple shows there to get our Levenzies beverage for today, but I was sort of copycatting a smoothie from Kiba Juice, if any of y'all have been there. I used to work there and I used to get this smoothie a lot called the Blueberry Green. And in my head, it was green because I mean the name green is in the title, but if you think about it, uh, berries are always gonna overcome the spinach and kale. <laughs> if there's berries in a smoothie, it's going to be a purplish smoothie. The green will not win. So there is spinach and kale in here, which I'm equating kale to kelp. I mean, same thing, right? And there's bananas and blueberries and coconut milk and chia seeds. Pretty simple. Not too bad for you and it's delicious, but unfortunately not green. <laughs> so it's fine. That's my Levensies beverage for today and now we can dive into it. One thing that I heard somewhere now I don't remember where I heard it, but in the midst of doing these rewatches, I heard that rewatching shows from a time in your life when you had no worries is really good for anxiety. I've already heard that rewatching shows is good for anxiety because you know what to expect. You're not on the edge of your seat, like anticipating, full of suspense, and maybe afraid for the characters or tense because of the situation because you already know what to expect and so that's why a lot of us have our comfort shows like The Office that we go back to at least once a year but particularly rewatching shows from your childhood is good because it takes you back to a time when 
you didn't have the weight of the world on your shoulders and it kind of puts you back in that mindset of being a little kid just home from school eating a snack and turning on your cartoons and life is good you know and so I really enjoyed re-watching these shows you will come to find out I didn't fully re-watch every single one of them just because of what was available to me on my various streaming services but I got a taste enough of a taste of them all to, I think, have strong opinions. So let's just dive in. I've listed them in order of how I experienced them over the past few months, and so don't read too much into the order. Number one, you guessed it, the inspiration of the kelp shake is Spongebob. I just feel like we are all still consuming Spongebob content because there are so many memes out there and I feel like millennials especially just kind of incorporate Spongebob quotes into their everyday conversations. Anytime anytime Colton and I are like looking for something, like if I'm looking for something and Colton knows where it is and he's trying to point it out to me, He will just say, the lid, the lid, the lid, the lid, the lid, and vice versa. And so (laughs) uh, we definitely do that a lot. It's just, it's gold. And the way that I re-experienced Spongebob, I wasn't able to fully re-watch. And even if I was, I probably wouldn't have made it very far because the later seasons are definitely not that great. But the first few seasons are gold. But the way that I got to re-experience this show is Colton and I played the video game Battle for Bikini Bottom, which he grew up playing as a kid, and I played it for the first time. And it was so much fun, and there's plenty of little hints throughout the game about different aspects and scenes of the show, different characters come up, and it just gave me really fond memories of watching Spongebob and it's just it's comedy gold y'all you can't even deny especially those early seasons again i will say nothing for i I think i can distinctly tell you that anything after the best day ever episode is just not great the animation style changed like spongebob becomes less square and more yellow and it's just meh there's like this horrible horrible episode that's like drilled into my head where like Squidward hurts his toe and I just can't it makes it hard to watch but the early seasons are amazing plus my friend in high school did a whole research paper about the accuracy of marine life that is portrayed in this show like the creators actually did their research and (laughs) there's a lot of things in there that are accurate to what's actually going on under the sea, which is pretty cool. Like, you think it is dumb that a pineapple or that a uh, sponge is living in the ocean, but sea sponges are a real thing. In fact, I feel like just within the last couple of years, a marine biologist took a picture of a sea sponge next to a pink starfish, and it went viral because, like, this is true. This is what's actually happening under the ocean. I mean, obviously not all of the antics, but, like, these creatures exist, And the Goo Lagoon, even though it makes no sense that there's water underwater, is actually like a real thing because it's not water. It's anyway. So (laughs) 
all that to say, I definitely think SpongeBob holds up just for the memes, for the quotes, for the comedy, for the accurate portrayals of marine life, and we just forget about some of the later seasons where I feel like it may have lost its touch and definitely went on longer than it had to. We'll get into that with a few of these shows. Like, come on, Nickelodeon, Disney, no one to stop. End it on a good note while we still want more. Don't keep giving us more until we get bored because that's when things go wrong. So it probably could have stopped after six seasons and yet I think there's 12 plus, like who knows, who knows. But the voice actors too, they're just on point great jobs and uh yeah anyway i'm going to say spongebob holds up if you ignore the later seasons number two uh is fairly odd parents which is where i got the guava juice reference if you caught that so the way i was able to watch this was netflix randomly got a few different Nickelodeon shows, but only the first couple of seasons. And so you'll hear from a couple more like that where I didn't get to fully rewatch the show, but I got to watch like three or four seasons that were on Netflix. And this was one of them. And I did enjoy watching it. It took me back. There are some good episodes in there, but for the most part, I don't think it held up very well. I don't think I will be going back and rewatching again. I don't know. There's some things that I definitely remember from Fairly Odd Parents as a kid that I like look back on fondly, but in actually rewatching the show, I was like, this isn't that great. There's nothing super amazing happening here. It's not so funny I can't stand it especially like they do kind of reuse a lot of the same humor like Cosmo's the idiot character we get it he's going to say something random and they're gonna expect us to laugh about it which maybe we did when we were like seven <laughs> but now I'm like okay this isn't this isn't that funny and Timmy learns the same lesson every single episode which I get like these shows are meant to be formulaic and that's kind of how kids shows operate for whatever reason that they have to like do the same setup like okay here's Timmy going to school here's him experiencing a problem here's him wishing away the problem here is the unexpected twist that happened because of his wish and here's him wishing everything is back to normal by the end which makes him think wow I should have been grateful for what I had in the first place instead of trying to wish everything away. But it's like, uh, okay, you didn't learn your lesson though because you have to do this every single episode. And it kind of loses its touch after a while. I wish they had messed with the formula a little bit more, but I don't know. The one thing I will say is to me, as an adult watching it, it seemed that Cosmo and Wanda to Timmy were more than just, you know, his fairly godparents who, his fairy godparents, <laughs> uh, who grant his every wish, but they were more like strong parental role models in his life because his actual parents were pretty absent. They both had full-time jobs and even when they have time at home, they spend it 
like going out and doing other things by themselves or with their friends and leaving Timmy with a horrible babysitter and they're always talking over him and overlooking him and there's like joke after joke about like his parents not remembering his name or his birthday and things like that and like the whole theme song kind of tells you that the reason Timmy got fairy godparents is because his life was miserable his parents kind of are not super present in his life and not listening when he's crying out for help and so what seemed to me was that he would want Cosmo and Wanda even if they couldn't grant wishes for him just because they're there for him and they take care of him and they listen to him and that's really what he needs as a child because by the end of every episode he unwishes his wish pretty much like he doesn't need the magic he just needs like comforters and uh parents <laughs> good parents in his life and so i do appreciate that aspect but that's something that's going to go right over a child's head and i don't know i guess i mean it is a kid's show and the kids are probably gonna laugh at the stupid humor and the formulaic format of it but for me it didn't hold up so but maybe i didn't even get into the really great episodes i mean i didn't even get to see fairy idol so I was really upset about that. Like, come on, Netflix. You can't tease us with just a few seasons. Give us the whole show. Okay, number three, y'all, is the greatest show on this list, probably. <laughs> I could talk about it all day. I probably will have to stop myself when I see it's been too long. Phineas and Ferb. This show is absolutely amazing. I think it came out when I was in middle school. So I wasn't quite a child while watching it, but I was still in those tween years where I was watching Disney Channel and animated TV shows still. And so I definitely watched the first couple of seasons in that time period. And then I, you know, graduated to Nick at Night or something like that and wasn't able to finish the show until this rewatch. I found it on Disney Plus and I was like, okay, I'm going to watch through the entire show and... The episodes I had seen definitely held up, and the ones I didn't see were amazing. And it ended so great. There's this episode at the end where they kind of travel into the future, and you get to see what things are like for them 10 years in the future, and I cried. Like, no joke, tears streaming down my face. It was so good, and yeah maybe it's because i'm pregnant and emotional but still oh my god <laughs> if you haven't seen it it's called act your age it's in season four i think so good so good the show it definitely has its formulas like i said kids shows are meant to be formulaic so we know that it's going to start with phineas and ferb under the tree phineas is going to have an idea of what to do today they're going to build something remarkable Candace is going to try to get them in trouble with their mom. The mom isn't going to see it. And meanwhile, their pet platypus Perry is going to go fight uh, Dr. Doofenshmirtz. And somehow their schemes are going to interact with Phineas and Ferb's schemes and make the thing that Phineas and Ferb built disappear before the mom can see it. That is like the typical formula of an episode. But what is so great about this show is one, they change up the formula all the time and two they poke fun at the formula and like almost break the fourth wall 
like jabbing at the formula which is so great and definitely great for like parents who are watching the show or older kids because they're gonna laugh at those jokes like wait, wait, wait it's my turn to say where's Perry and oh so that's good and I think that makes kids pay more attention and you know just enhances their wit a little bit it's also just so creative with the inventions and I don't know the characters are lovable you have like bullies hanging out with nerds and they overcome their differences and become friends Dr. Doofenshmirtz even though he's set to be like this evil guy is actually just <laughs> an amazing father who just has this tragic backstory that he's working through and it's almost like Perry is his emotional support animal like it's just so good it's so good and I watched all of the like movies that came with the show as well there's like two or three movies there's like a Star Wars special there's a Marvel special they did a little talk show Phineas and Ferb where they interviewed celebrities it was kind of fun and then there's a spin-off show which I also watched because I had to called Milo Murphy's Law which takes place in the same universe as Phineas and Ferb, but like the fall following their summer of adventures. And it follows like this other kid named Milo Murphy, who everything bad happens to because of Murphy's Law. And they run into Phineas and Ferb a couple times. Doofenshmirtz is a reoccurring character, but for the most part, it's its own thing. But what's great about it is one, Milo is voiced by Weird Al, so you love that. And two, it's like the same sense of humor as Phineas and Ferb. It's really witty and smart with its humor. It's not like playing down to little kid humor like I feel like Cosmo does. And I don't know, it wasn't obviously nearly as good as Phineas and Ferb, but I appreciated it for what it was. And not gonna lie, after I watched that show, I suddenly saw pistachio commercials everywhere, like all over my Facebook feed. So don't know what that's about. <laughs> anyway, Phineas and Ferb definitely holds up. If you haven't seen it, run, don't walk to your TV and turn on Disney Plus and make it happen. Number four, this one might be the second best on this list, but I'm trying not to rank them. <laughs> uh, I'm literally just going in order of how I watched. So this one I had to watch because the rewatch podcast came out and that is Boy Meets World. I was in love with this show, not as a kid, like when it was first coming out, because I think it came out in the 90s, so I would have been too young, but I was definitely seeing reruns I guess on Disney Channel at some point I don't know but I loved this show I was in love with Sean Hunter still am and I just thought it was just a wholesome fun show and ended up buying the DVD box set a few years ago because it was on sale on Amazon and was able to watch through the entire show, probably in college. And it was at that point that I realized how amazing the show is, not only for kids, but for adults as well. It just 
it talks about the real world and it doesn't like shy away from certain topics this was back in like the 90s and early 2000s before I feel like Disney got too kitschy almost where all of their shows were about someone who wanted to be famous in some way and like the acting got really cheesy and their biggest problems were my best friend is mad at me because we like the same boy and not like real problems <laughs> and I don't know it's just it's really good and in listening to the podcast which is called pod meets world highly recommend um, I'm just falling in love with the show even more because these actors first of all it's been 30 years <laughs> so it's been 30 years since they were on the show and some of them are watching it for the first time since then and so they are appreciating the show for what it was but also talking about like their experience as child actors and they're not shying away from the fact that it wasn't all perfect and they like acknowledge some plot holes and things that were kind of messed up with the show like the fact that Sean was supposed to have a sister named Stacy and Topanga was supposed to have a sister named Nebula and they were never mentioned again after that um, so they talk about those things but they also just really dive deep into what the show is about and what it's teaching kids which is really great and like just Mr. Feeney as a character first of all the main reason that the actor took that role is because he wanted to portray a good teacher not like a butt of the joke teacher which a lot of TV shows were doing at that point and still do I feel like and he wanted to actually teach lessons which is what he does like not only is he teaching about Anne Frank in his classroom but that is helping Corey learn about like real-life racism that's still happening today with like his brother's girlfriend and it's helping him connect the dots between the classroom and the real world and that's therefore helping us as audience members make those same connections but it's not doing it in your face like like Full House as much as I love Full House would in every episode have a moment where the piano starts playing and you zoom in real close and you see Danny just kneeling down and putting his hand on DJ's shoulder and having a heart-to-heart -heart and explaining the lesson to her in black and white. Boy Meets World did not do that. They trusted Corey and they trusted the audience to make these connections themselves, which, like Phineas and Ferb, I think it makes us smarter. It makes us make these connections. It's not just going to feed it to us on a silver platter. And, yeah, I just think it's really good. It's also hilarious and wholesome like I would want my kids to watch the show there's even though it's live action there's nothing in it that I would be like oh my kid doesn't need to see that until he's a certain age you know like no I'm making my kid watch it sorry not sorry we're going back to the 90s and there's too much shirts and you're just gonna have to deal with it so <laughs> Boy Meets World definitely holds up and if you haven't seen it I don't care how old you are, go watch it. You will find something to love about it. Girl Meets World is okay, mostly for the cameos, but again, I think Disney Channel just got too kitschy at some point, 
and so it's definitely got more of those vibes than the real honest wholesome vibes that boy meets world had anyway so after watching boy meets world i had to kind of take this will friedel train and that took me right to kim possible which i was obsessed with as a kid i distinctly remember like running around my house doing karate moves to the theme song and i had kim's communicator beep as my text tone for a while it is awesome it shows a strong female main character it shows strong friendships that don't necessarily have to turn to love but we love it when they do right and something that i noticed about this show that you like never see in animation is it's not as evergreen as most animated shows want to be so like Phineas and Ferb is a prime example they are always wearing that those same outfits right no matter what's going on and it's always summer even though the show lasted for like four years it all takes place in this one summer except for there's a couple Christmas episodes that we don't we don't talk about where those fall into the timeline but Kim Possible, she changes clothes. She has different outfits and she actually ages. So it's, I think, three or four seasons and it takes her through high school and she actually graduates. That's something that you don't see with animation. Like, I love Bob's Burgers. I think we're in like season 10 or something. Like, there's a lot of seasons of Bob's Burgers. And even though there's always a Halloween episode, there's always a Thanksgiving episode, and there's always a Christmas episode each year, the kids don't age, they're still at the same school, they're still in the same clothes, which I get it, that's what animation does. But Kim Possible didn't, it took us on a journey with this character, and so we got to like watch her grow up and make progress, and like when they reference something that happened in the past, it's actually an episode that happened few episodes ago and so it makes sense and I don't know I just really appreciate the fact that time passes because that's real life and with kids that are actually growing up watching Disney Channel it's cool to see like the animated characters that you love grow up as well and <laughs> this and Pod Meets World also turned me on to a new podcast called I Hear Voices which is hosted by Kem and Ron, so Will Friedle and Christy Carlson Romano, and they interview voice actors, which is really cool, and they talk about kind of the process of it and what these shows mean to people, and it just gives me a whole new appreciation for the show and just all of the production that goes into these, these TV shows. Yeah, that reminds me, they interviewed one of the creators of Phineas and Ferb and I found out that the two creators of Phineas and Ferb met on The Simpsons so they like were in the big leagues like from the very beginning pretty much and they've worked on Family Guy and they so they know that business and they're really good at not only writing but drawing characters and then they discovered that their humor was very similar but they wanted to kind of write for children and so they took that 
amazing humor that the people love about The Simpsons, but made it more family-friendly and appropriate for kids, and wow, like, it's amazing. And then they, like, voice characters, too, so they literally do everything, pretty much. Like, produce, direct, write, draw, and voice act a little bit. So I have just found a new respect for voice actors in listening to this podcast, and new respect for these shows that I grew up watching. Okay, number six is another one that popped up on Netflix, and that's Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide, which I definitely loved. Unfortunately, not all of the seasons were on Netflix, which is frustrating because I distinctly remember the last episode, Ned and Moe's finally get together, and I couldn't wait to see it, but didn't get to see it, so whatever. This was okay. It, like, breaks the fourth wall, where, like, Ned directly talks to the camera. He's, like, telling his audience members how to survive middle school. And he does give, like, genuine life advice. Most of it's pretty good. But I thought otherwise. The plot was very bland, and the humor was not that funny. And even though I always wanted Ned and Moe's to get together... There's not much to say about, like, oh, their characters are so amazing. You know, like, they're pretty one-note, I feel like. And so it didn't it didn't impress me that much. And even, like, I mean, Colton would, like, stop in and, and watch a little bit as I'm going through these shows. And I, like, almost felt ashamed to be watching it when, like, some scenes came on. Because I'm like, this is so stupid. <laughs> and Colton's like really? Like, this is how you're spending your time? And I'm like, I know. Like, the whole weasel thing, like, the the dumb, goofy janitor always fighting with the weasel. I'm like, okay. And the weasel was, like, horrible. Like, very clearly stuffed puppet weasel that <laughs> this fully grown man had to wrestle with almost every episode. Anyway, so I don't think this one held up. I still think, like, a middle school kid might appreciate it for, you know, some of the advice, but a lot of the advice is, like, common sense. Like, oh, if you want to do better on a test, you should probably study. Good idea! (laughs) So, I don't think this one held up. But, you know, it was not a horrible waste of time, I guess. Number seven, another one that popped up on Netflix is Zoe 101, which I loved this show in elementary, middle, whenever it came on. I don't remember. And I think the only reason that it appealed to me is because, like, that's the dream. They got to go to a boarding school on the beach and you could eat whatever you wanted and you could talk to cute boys and it just felt like that's the life but watching it i was like this is one it makes like no sense and two the acting was just so flat like jamie lynn spears girl i'm sorry but like you are not that great of an actor (laughs) And maybe it was just the writing. The writing was not amazing. Literally the only character I can stand is Chase. 
and that's just because of his humor. He was quick and witty, and I appreciate that in a person. But other than that, I, I found it hard to get through this show. And, like, these kids, they're supposed to be, like, ninth or 10th grade, I don't know, and they're drinking coffee and eating sushi and acting like they're adults, like, the girls are always parenting the boys, and I'm like, this is not, this is not what this would be like, and they would not have as much freedom, and this is just, this would never happen in real life, so get over yourself. <laughs> So even though middle school me was like all about it, like, wow, this is amazing. I can't wait to, you know, live on a beach eating sushi and drinking coffee. Um, yeah, seventh grade me would not go near sushi or coffee. <laughs> and adult me is like, this is so stupid. And the writing's not that good. And the actors are not that, that great. Like even, I really loved Quinn and Logan. You'll notice, I, I would ship people no matter what I'm watching, I have a ship. That's been, like, a tale as old as time. And I loved that, like, the cool jock guy got with the nerdy girl, but one, I didn't get to see that story arc in this rewatch because Netflix only got a couple seasons, and two, like, the girls all actively make fun of Quinn because she's smart, and that really, really bugs me <laughs> because they're, like, friends with Quinn. So, in a way, it's like, oh, good, they decided to be friends with the nerd girl. But it's not, because they still make fun of her, and they still think of her as the nerd girl. And I just don't, I don't appreciate that very much as a nerd girl myself. Maybe I'm not quite as weird as Quinn was, but I just didn't like how, like, even the main characters of the show were, like, making fun of their friend for being a nerd. Whereas, like, other shows would have like the bullies making fun of the nerd and then the main characters would step in no it was like straight up the main characters were supposed to be rooting for and loving and relating to those were the ones that were being rude about it and i just i am not a fan and i think other shows have done it better and in fact i will talk about some of those shows coming up number eight phil of the future oh my gosh did this hold up it was amazing and I got the full story arc. I cannot believe that this show was only two seasons. Like, I fell in love with Phil and Keeley so early on. And by the way, they hint at them, like, from episode one, pretty much. It is amazing. It is timey-wimey. It is fun. And, yeah. I, I loved this show. I love Ricky Ullman. I love Allison Mashaka. I mean, there's everything, everything about it. This is the first time I saw Evan Peters. Are you kidding me? Like, amazing show. Amazing show. It shows how uh, you can trust in your friendships and, like, solid boy-girl friendships, which I, I just always appreciate, but then, of course, you want them to get together at the end. <laughs> and then they do, so it pays off. Although, then they end on, like, the craziest cliffhanger of any children's show you could ever imagine, which is like Phil and Keely kiss and then he immediately goes back to the future and then they realize they left their caveman back at home. So it's like, oh my gosh, what's gonna happen? Are they gonna go back for the caveman and for Keely or are they gonna keep going to the future? It's just oh, it's so stressful. And I think about that all 
the time. All the time. So that's how you know it's a good show. It's a good show. But also on this rewatch, I noticed that there was some future predictions that actually came true. So Phil is from the year 2121. So we're still like 100 years away from his reality. But some things that he's talked about have actually come true. One is virtual school. So that's kind of interesting. <laughs> of course, in his virtual school, like he put on goggles and was like in a virtual reality school kind of situation. But um, nowadays we just have like kids on Zoom. So, you know, we're getting there. We're getting there. But the thing that most made me laugh was <laughs> Phil's penmanship is horrible. Like he's supposed to write the cue cards for the early morning, like, announcement TV show for the school and Keely can't read his handwriting and he's like sorry like we don't write much in the future we always type and I feel like that is true as well <laughs> like just handwriting has gone down I know for a fact like they're not even teaching cursive anymore like yeah computers have kind of taken over the world and we do type more than we write and um so that was making me laugh like Phil had to go back to second grade to learn how to write and um anyway it, it made me laugh and i definitely think this show held up so yeah according to my uh, list so far other than spongebob nickelodeon what are you doing you need to step it up because disney was where it was at back in the day although my number nine is a little iffy and i'm very sad about it <laughs> Number nine is The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, which, oh my gosh, y'all, I loved this show. Loved this show. I was in love with Cody. Can't even help it. I'm always going to go for the smart guy. And I do think that this show did a good job of portraying an accurate sibling relationship. <laughs> in fact, I distinctly wrote down a quote from one of the very first episodes where... Zach says to Cody, you need more confidence. You're such a loser. What's wrong with you? <laughs> and it just made me laugh so hard because he's trying to like build his brother up and encourage him. And at the same time, he's insulting him. And so like their sibling relationship was definitely fun. And it's obviously because they have real life chemistry as real life twins. But other than that, I was kind of disappointed in the show, which sucks because I remember loving it so much and there's definitely a couple episodes that I'm like okay yeah this was this was a decent episode this was a good episode but yeah the jokes are overused and the characters don't really change at all like the whole London and Maddie thing just got so tiring I couldn't even stand it like I think in season one is where London has to stay the night at Maddie's house and she gets to see how like the poor people have to live and they bond over a baseball game and it's super great and then by the end of the episode she's back to her spoiled rich self saying yay me and like that's just who her character is throughout the entire show and same with Maddie like she is always complaining about being poor and she's always like talking about London behind her back and it's just okay 
I'm over it. Like, there's no growth happening here. Which you expect a little bit more, I think, in a live-action show. Like, the animated shows, like I said, tend to be more formulaic and more evergreen, where you they can kind of get away with making the same jokes and having the similar plot points. But with live action, like, the char- the actors are obviously aging, and so you would assume that the characters would age and grow and learn from their past mistakes, but that wasn't really true with this show. And I don't think it ended, like, it wrapped up in a way that was satisfying. There was not a real ending. It just kind of ended abruptly, but then I know they did that spin-off Sweet Life on Deck, which I also watched a little bit of back in the day. I did not rewatch it this time because honestly I was over it. Did not want to keep watching. But I remember I don't remember that show being particularly amazing or ending in a great way. And I don't think Maddie was in it. I don't think Esteban was in it. I don't think Arwen was in it. So like what is the point? What is the point? So the only thing that held up for me with this show was the Zack and Cody relationship, and I just love Dylan and Cole Sprouse in real life, and I appreciate them and their work, but everything else I was like, meh. Number 10, y'all, is That's So Raven, which definitely holds up. Oh man, I was scared. I was scared after Sweet Life did not really hold up, but That's So Raven, oh my gosh, y'all. It is hilarious and real and it tackles some major issues that not a lot of these shows handle. Boy Meets World, I think, and That's a Raven are the only two here that tackle real world issues that actual high schoolers are going to be dealing with. And I know that like kids are watching these shows before they get into high school. And so, like, some of it might go over their heads, but I still think it's important for them to, like, see these things and be prepared, you know, before they get into high school. And obviously, we hope that they're not only learning these things from TV shows, but we know that kids are watching TV and they're paying attention to what they see and hear on TV. And so if the TV can help at all with them as they do struggle with these things, then why not? Why not? Especially if they do find it hard to, like, talk to an adult about it. Like, if Raven can help them, then let Raven help them. Anyway, and that's a Raven. They talk about racism, body image, smoking, like, so many big topics, while also just being really genuine and fun. And yeah, there's some like ridiculousness with Raven putting on an over-the-top costume to cause some antics. And she's psychic, so there's that. And in fact, I know a lot of Christian parents who did not want their children watching the show because of that fact, but I think that's dumb. And it's almost like not even the main point of the show. Like there were some episodes that felt like her visions were just thrown in there because they were like, oh yeah, she's supposed to be psychic. That needs to be a plot point. It was definitely not like the main thing that this show was about. The show was about so much more and it was just, it's fun. Me and my best friend used to watch it growing up and we still quote it to each other all the time. And I was sending her videos while I was rewatching and she appreciated it and agreed that the show definitely holds up 
it's definitely still funny even to us in our old aging ways and uh yeah it's really good just really good and the last one number 11 i unfortunately was not able to rewatch. i can't find it anywhere but i still think about it all the time and i was able to rewatch some stuff on youtube to just kind of refamiliarize to myself with it before i came on here and talked about it and that is jimmy neutron boy genius which i loved growing up i loved the movie and then i was obsessed with the show as well and what I really like about this show is that it has, like, the nerd be the main character. And it makes him, like, not seem like a nerd. Like, being smart is cool. His brains help him to invent a bunch of cool things and help his friends out. But he's also not arrogant about it. He doesn't speak over people's heads. He's not condescending about it. He's just being himself. And it does make him a little weird, but people still appreciate him and his two best friends are also like branches off of that nerd trope neither none of the three of them really fully fit that nerd trope but they dance around it which i appreciate so jimmy is really smart that's what makes him the nerd i guess sheen is more of like a fanboy nerd where he's obsessed with this video game and this character and that's all he wants to talk about and then Carl is more like he wears the glasses, he's got a funny voice, and he's got asthma, which apparently is a nerdy thing to have. <laughs> anyway, but he's not necessarily smart. And so the three of them kind of combined make this nerd trio, but they complement each other, they don't make fun of each other because of their nerdiness, and the other kids at school kind of accept them as well. Like, yeah, there's beef with Jimmy and Cindy, but that's mostly because of academic competition like cindy wants to be smarter than jimmy and also might have a little crush on him and so that's where that comes from but there's like the cool guy nick who you'd think would be a bully but he's actually kind of one of their friends and so this is a show that i think plays with the nerd thing really well in a way that zoe 101 didn't where that show kind of ostracized quinn for being smart this one is like okay but the smart kids are really cool and we like them and we need to be nice to them because we're all going to be working for them someday so <laughs> i definitely appreciate this show and even though i wasn't able to fully rewatch it i'm going to say it holds up just from what i was finding on youtube about it and remembering about it and the fact that i'm like still thinking about certain episodes i think it was really smart, really funny, and it played with character tropes in a way that I appreciate as a nerd myself. So, anyway, sorry if this got a little ranty. Um, I hope you learned, I hope you learned something about the shows that I enjoyed as a child. <laughs> but I think I learned, like, what I value in a show and what kinds of shows I'll be wanting my kid to watch because as much fun as the mind-numbing cartoons can be, I would also love for him to learn something while he's watching and uh, maybe take some applications to the real world or at least like growing a really good, strong, sarcastic, witty sense of humor from watching these shows because I definitely think I did for sure from some of these, so. Thank you to those creators who helped form me into the amazing person I am today. 
and uh, yeah, let me know what kids shows that y'all liked. If y'all have gone back to any as adults, what you thought about them, and if you've ever tried a kelp shake, because it might not be green, but it's delicious. So, yeah. Thanks for joining me for 11Zs. If you liked what you heard, please leave a review, subscribe, tune in each Thursday, and tell your friends. You can connect with me on Instagram and Twitter at kdsubcreations, and check out my blog and other free content at the link in the description. Now go where you must go and hope.